Welcome to Security All In. This is Sam Curry. I'm Chief Security Officer for Cyber Reason. On the show, we uh, we try to bring on interesting guests and talk a little bit about security and risk, but more importantly, the personal side of security, how we found it, how it found us, what we're passionate about, what makes us tick, and maybe try to explore a little bit about what security means in this day and age. And I am joined today by my a longtime friend and associate, uh, Bill Dennings. Bill, welcome to the program. Thanks. Good to be on. Good to have you. And when I asked you to do this, I think you're at Uphold, and your title at the time was a cool one. It was Chief Risk Compliance and Security Officer. And if I got that wrong, please correct me, but now it's changed, and you're now Chief Operating Officer, which means I don't even know if you're a security guy anymore. What was that transition? Did I get it right? And what are you now? Can you maybe talk a bit about that? Yeah, no, you got it right. Uh, I was the Chief Risk Compliance and Security Officer. In a nutshell, that just means I was the only one crazy enough to take on a bunch of roles that nobody wanted. <laughs> and so, smush them all together, right? You, yeah, you make, yeah. I was, make one good one out of it all. Yeah, I was a glutton for punishment, I guess. And so it, it combined a lot of different disciplines, obviously, but in a way that made sense, right? Because all of them are so intertwined that it's it's hard to do them in individual silos. And for a company our size, you know, we're not very big. Hmm. Uh, it just made sense to kind of have that all under one roof. So, you know, it was a good fit. In, um, in security, we often talk about whether something is a feature or a product. Do you believe that those three things are features of the same thing? Or do they, even at other companies, potentially deserve to be separated? I think it really depends on the size of the company and, and the business that you're trying to do, right? Hmm. I think if you're really trying to gain efficiency and you're small enough to be able to handle it, it makes sense to put it all together. You know, I, I think it's just more of a, a feature at that point, right? And having people that have the knowledge of all of those four corners, so to speak, mm -hmm. just makes it easier to get things done and move things forward, right? There isn't a lot of wasted energy in being able to do it. So for small companies, it makes sense. Now, um, Those are companies when you're pushing a lot of volume and there's so many different things that you have to be concerned about, it starts to get too much for, you know, small group of people. So you, you need to really kind of make it more of a product and split it out at that point. Now, that keyword risk appears in there. And for those who may be listening and don't know what Uphold is, I certainly have an impression of your organization taking different kinds of risk and enabling business in many different ways. What's the soundbitey version of, of what you do? Because I think that will, if you how you describe it, will help people understand that we, all those three things are really deeply tied into the business. So can you give a, a quick little description of what Uphold does? Yeah, you know, the quick, sexy soundbite is we're a fintech company that deals with blockchain and, and cryptocurrency. And then most people kind of stop listening after that. Um, <laughs> but you actually told me but, that you actually, you deal in, or, and I'm going to get the terminology wrong, so I don't mean to get in trouble, but almost brokering in anything that holds value. Is that, did I have that wrong or? Uh... No, no, no. You got it absolutely right. So the real kind of version, what Uphold is, if you think of this as like an umbrella, Uphold is really Uphold Financial, right? If you mm -hmm. think of it in terms of things that you're used to hearing about like banks. So we have Uphold Financial kind of at the top and then we have individual divisions essentially within it that do a number of different things that provide full-fledged financial services. The value that our platform really brings to people is being able to store and hold value in whatever form it takes, whether it's precious metals, fiat currencies, cryptocurrencies. It could be, you know, if sheep in South America decide, you know, hey, we want to actually be an official currency because we're tired of getting shaved all the time. Um, That's funny. I can actually, I caught the I can actually digitize that. Yeah, I caught I the shaved button that. there, by the way. That was, uh, yeah, there you that go. was a pretty, pretty, pretty woolly joke, if you ask me. Uh, just a bit, just a bit. But I can digitize that and, and make it a form of value on our platform. What our, what our real goal is, is to be able to, to give a consumer 
everything that they need in one place, right? Today, your financial services are all over the place, whether it's, you know, your wealth management, who you for banking, how you do investing, where you go for loans and lending. We want to be able to give that to a consumer on their terms, the way that they want it at the time that they want it. And you now have transitioned to being a COO. You know, I have a colleague who always says, what's, what's your final job going to be? And I have damned if I know the answer you know, your last job kind of thing. Uh, but I'm always asked by CISOs, that, you know, is this the end of the road or where does it go? And usually the answers are no chief risk officer or yes, it is or chief CSO. But you went to COO. Now, was that a logical progression in the culture that you have or as a function of what you're doing? Or was it a, a state change for you? Is it Now that you're COO at Uphold, maybe give us a little bit of background on how that shift from those four corners to this happened. Yeah, it's a little bit of both, but it's it's a it's a funny story. Funny to me anyway. Um but I just got a warped sense of humor, I guess. Yeah. So when I first came on board, I was just the chief information security officer and that quickly morphed into chief compliance risk and security officer and, and taking all those things in. The thing about that role is you literally have to have your hands in everything right? Whether it's a risk perspective, a compliance perspective, or just overall security. So I already had my hands in everything in the company. And as we were growing and, and we had some internal organizational change and things that occurred, it quickly became clear that somebody needed to focus on really the day-to-day, -day, you know, moving the trains and keeping them all on time type functions. And because I had my hands into everything already, somebody thought that it would be you know, just a natural progression to put me into that spot. And what I really don't know is if I was just the only one stupid enough to say yes, that I'd take it, or if they really felt that I could do a good job. So I've been doing it for a little over a year. It's been an interesting experience, but I have responsibility for just about everything in the company with the exception of finance and legal. You know, I doubt it was just stupid enough to take it. I've known you, I've known you for a while. We first met, in fact, I think we were first introduced by our our dear late friend, uh, Malcolm McQuinney. Um, yes. I think at the time you were you were at MasterCard and, and his number two guy. And I and then you became CISO at MasterCard and you went to Nike and other places as well. But you were also a Marine formerly to that. And I'd love to maybe dive a bit into the personal side and see how did you find security? How did it find you? And the podcast is called All In. When, if you did, did you go all in? So what's the backstory that people don't know about how you got to it? Oh, wow. God, you and by the way, you don't, but, but wax poetic. My Anything Alzheimer's you want. is kicking in. No, you don't right. have Alzheimer's. You do not. You have too many children to do that. That's not well, That's how I don't have a memory anymore. I got to keep track of all my kids. That's right. I can barely remember their names and you want me to think back, you know. And it's all you guys over there. 20 plus plus years. So back at the dawn um, of time. Uh, back at the dawn of time. How did it happen? God created man. Mm. So, yeah, I went into the Marine Corps right out of high school. Mm -hmm. um, and it was kind of a decision that I, I knew I had to make. Going to the Marine Corps, you had to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't like, you know, a judge told me I had to. But right. let's just say I didn't have the uh, the most influential group of friends that could probably help me in life. So yeah. I realized early on that, uh, yeah, I probably need to get out of here. Mm -hmm. So ended up going into the Marine Corps. Back in 1990, served for just shy of 10 years, and I learned a lot of things there. It taught me how to be a leader, but more importantly, it taught me how to be a follower and being able to understand the difference between the two and, and when you needed to float in and out. Sort uh, of a situation between the two. Like an adaptation, right? You know, when, yeah. when do you focus as a team on an objective? When do you define that objective kind of trade off? Right, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was a great experience. So the first few years I was in the Marine Corps, mm -hmm. I did I did what we call my four for the Corps. So I was in the infantry. 
Yep. And then um, I re-enlisted to extend, uh, and then I went into the computer field within the Marine Corps. And at the time, the Marine Corps, every individual Marine Corps base had all of its own data processing. So they had their own mainframes, all of their own computer gear. The Self-sufficiency, the, the right? software. Famous, well, yeah. Famous, it, sort of notorious self-sufficiency in the Marine Corps. Right. Side. And nothing was standardized across any of those bases. So everybody kind of ran their own stuff and did it their own way. And then the Department of Defense decided, you know, this probably isn't the most cost-effective thing to do. So they started consolidating what they called uh, defense mega centers. So the Marine Corps had... That sounds like a military thing, by the way, just a, mega centers. Yeah. yeah. Leave it to the Department of Defense to come yeah. up with something cool that means absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> So the Marine Corps consolidated all of their data processing in a mega center in St. Louis. And I was one of about 25 handpicked Marines to go there and help facilitate all of that migration and standardizing of everything. And we worked alongside members from other branches of the military and the government civilian workforce. Mm -hmm. So eventually we handed all of that off. And it was during that time when I actually started working on more security type functions in a computer uh, digital way. Prior to that, I did some security forces, so I was used to the physical side of security and the importance of that. Yep. So it was just kind of a natural progression and a click. And it just kind of took off from there. So after I left the Mega Center, I went to work at MasterCard mm. and was there for 15 years. So learned a lot of different things along the way there and operations and other types of small systems and how you blend the two. And, and I think uh, I met you in 2004. So that would, you, uh, would have been, you would have been there for what, four or five years? Five years, that? yeah. Yeah, and I, I was at CA it. at the time. Yeah. Right. And I was in Unix Tech Services. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, our first couple of meetings weren't very pleasant. But <laughs> after that, they became pretty pleasant. But yeah. I, I remember sitting down with Malcolm, by the way, and he looked at me and he said, and I had one question I wanted to ask him, which is, when is EMV cap going to come? When is MasterCard going to get into the right. strong authentication for card present transactions? And, and he spoke first and he said, so, Sam... When is EMV cab coming? And I'm like, I'm going to ask. I was asking you that. Why are you asking me that? And it was a double critical mass problem. We hit it off then. But we were at that time, we were looking at doing like web access management and that sort of thing. As opposed right. to when we then interacted when you were CISO later, it was a whole different world. And what we were doing was very different. But So how did you go then from entry level to CISO? 15 years is, is quite a stretch. What were the big milestones along the path there? Did you know that this was security at that point was for you? Like you were bought, you were all in at that point? Oh, yeah. I pretty much went all in when I was in the Marine Corps. You know, I think it was just that mindset of defend at all cost, mm -hmm. right? So that was drilled into me on a daily basis while I was in the Marine Corps. So even when I got out and, and I went to MasterCard and before I even went into information security itself, I still had the responsibility of implementing all the security, making sure everything was the way that it needed to be dealing with all the audits. So when I actually got an opportunity to move into information security and I led our information security engineering team. It was just a natural progression and fit. So it felt more like home to me going into information security than some of the other operational things that I had been doing, even though I loved it and had a great time doing all of it. But it was, you know, I think, again, it goes back to the Marine Corps days of there was an enemy that you had to protect uh, everyone from. Yep. So for me, information security was just that extension. So I've been all in for a long time even before I realized. And shifting gears a bit uh, again, on the personal side, is there anything that you find and going broad in your personal life that you're passionate about that you find is either helps you in approaching security or has helped you over the years or has inspired you? Um, and it can be anything, music, books, people, hobbies like Tai Chi or something. Is there, is there anything that for you, you find centers you? And I mean on the personal side, because people listening kind of want to give them a feel yeah. for who you are. Yeah. Well, if anybody has actually seen me 
in person in the last two years, uh, and you see my belly, you'll know that Tai Chi is one of those things. Nice. No, yeah. um, I think I'm yeah. still bigger than you. I, think. <laughs> I, got a few I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm catching you. I'm catching you. I'm telling you. I think I've lost 60 um, pounds since I last saw you, but yeah, I'm still bigger. But, yeah. Oh, okay. You got me by a little bit, yeah. but not by much. For me, I, I'm really a simple guy, much to the dismay of my wife at times. Uh, you know, it's I work way too much. Yeah. Um, and then when I'm not working, I, I try to spend as much time with my family. So my family to me has always been that thing that drives me, even when it comes to security or anything I'm doing, because all I do is I think about my, my kids and my wife mm-hmm. and just think, you know, what would happen if something that's happening in the world of security impacted them, right? Yeah. You know, do I want my kids credit demolished before they're even 10? You know, because somebody got yeah. a hold of their, their credit card information when they should have, or their, their social security number. Or anything. So well, that makes um, the fact that you're on the road so much extremely difficult. I, and by the way, yeah. I, I owe you a thank you. There's been a few times in my career when I've called and you've gotten on a plane for me, and I, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, uh, anytime. My pleasure. Yeah. Hey, anytime you're willing to pay for a party. I'm <laughs> so. that you, that's absolutely true, actually. Um, but now... You've kind of made this shift to being a chief operating officer. Do you still think of yourself as a security person first and foremost? Are you have you hung up that hat to for a new one, or is it part of your DNA still? No, it's it's part of my DNA. No matter what challenge comes before me or the company, hmm. I always look at it through that security lens first. Some of the end results change slightly, right? Hmm. Because I do have to balance it out with a few other things, but it always leans heavily towards the security and risk side of things. You know, you went from your your last job, I think you told me, uh, which was at Nike, you said that you had to almost 10x increase the size of the program in two years, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and now it's almost like you built that big thing. Now you're at a, a place where you're sort of, you're almost, you're doing what is so hard for so many of us, which is crossing the business divide, right? Aligning with the business. Is that part of why you came to uphold or, and am I characterizing it right? Is that the transition here in the new company and why COO makes sense? Yeah, you know, I, that I, I think that is the transition. That is always the challenge. The reason I came to Uphold, though, was really to get back to financial services. Mm. Um, I really did miss it. I mean, it was a huge part of who I was for 15 years at MasterCard. And being able to do it in a different way, that was the thing that really appealed. But, you know, throughout that time, I had to do a number of different things beyond just security. So it wasn't as difficult, I think, for me to make the leap right. to handle some of the other pieces. Now, I'm not even going to lie, right? Some of the business side is a little bit tougher when you do look at everything through a security lens first. Is that, is that, a, me, is that a skill thing? It forced thing? me to slow down a little bit. Is it bit. a skill thing but, or is it that filter that gets in the way? Is it that you, because you look at a security lens, you're not looking at through another lens or is it that you have to learn a new skill set? Or what makes it more difficult for a security person? It's the filter, right? It's the fact that you know and you've seen what the ramifications are that most salespeople or the business side doesn't either care about or know about. Hmm. So, you know, I've seen firsthand the damage that a breach can do. And I've seen firsthand how, you know, consumers will flock away from companies that took it for granted or, you know, a company that just didn't bother to do anything with it. I, I, remember, so, when, I remember when you were DDoSed. It was horrendous. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. A day in my life I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. So being able, though, to put that in a way somebody on the business side can understand is, I think, the piece that's helped me, right? So having to live through those experiences, mm-hmm. not just, hey, we need to do something about it, but hey, this was the outcome of it. And to get them to understand, here's really the ramifications of this. Have you thought through that? 
right? Right. And not necessarily making the decision, but making sure that they at least considered it and thought through it and then have them come back and say, oh, yeah, you know, good point. We've got to do this. Or, yeah, we've got that, but, you know, we're, we're seeing this here. And then it just becomes a risk discussion, you know, and, and having had that hat on before is, makes it a little bit easier to kind of navigate that, right? You know, you're non Let's say you're non-IT colleagues. By that, I mean like IT, security, R&D, folks on the more technical side. To what degree do you, do they have a security DNA? And to what degree do you have to get that in front of them? And maybe that's changed as a COO, but is security part of the conversation for the non-security folk or is it out of sight, out of mind until something goes wrong? As much as I would love to say that it's up front and, and everybody considers it, the reality is that isn't the case, right? Right. And it depends on the organization. I think for our organization, it is up front. We built all of this in from day one. So the culture that we have really does focus on it. And in light of all the data breaches over the last few years, right, mm. and, and the high profile visibility pieces, it's more top of mind with everybody. Having said that, everybody's human, right? So. I still got people that click on spear phishing emails yeah, and cause havoc. And so at least though that they are aware and they're trying to make the effort still though, it still comes down to the business, right? Of yeah, of course, how much money are you going to make and, and how much are you willing to risk? And taking the right kinds of risk, right? And GI right. Joe, GI Joe didn't get it right. Right. Knowing is not half the battle. Do you have a, this could be the easiest question I ask you or the hardest. I don't know. So I apologize if it's the hardest. But do you have a personal mission? Do you have a, a thing that you're aiming to do that the job is a means to? Or is it really focused on the same mission as the company? Is there something that Bill Dennings, looking back at your career and its progression, that you say, I'm going to make this happen as my thing? This is my legacy. Is there anything like that that drives you? Survive the day and be able to get at least five hours of sleep a night. Five? I'm envious. <laughs> I want that. I want. I want five. But oh, and nope. get home to spend five. time with your family, as you said. Right? Five was my goal. I never said I hit it. Nice. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I hear about people all the time that say, "Look, I've got a very clear path that I want to take, and and here's my my end goal and where I want to be in my career, and how we navigate." I've never actually done that. Right. I've just focused on the task that's in front of me and always tried to do the best that I possibly could in achieving that. And luckily for me, and, and you know, thanks to the Lord above, he's, you know, it's been something that has helped me be successful and just continue to, to progress. But it hasn't been any kind of set path for me or anything that I said, you know, I must achieve this or I must achieve that. And I want to go out and uh, tackle this and, and I want to make this better for the world. You know, um, that resonates in the nature of who I am. Yeah. No, it resonates with me. I, I interview people sometimes and, and they say, well, I had this plan and I aim to do it and then I did it. And I'm like, well, that sounds boring, right? It's like uh, most of us, I think uh, life is far more Brownian motion, right? It's uh, far more random than we tell narratives. So to hear that you sort of know that is, is very refreshing, right? And you'll see where life takes you to some extent. And by the way, a part of this uh, podcast and this interview series is I, I sort of imagine a somebody listening to it who's looking for insight that they can take away or, or advice. And I consider you a very close friend in your career to be very interesting. But if we imagine that person who's listening to us, do you have any advice for them? And they, I don't care if they're millennial in your mind or Gen X or whatever. Is there something you would say to that aspiring CISO? Words of wisdom at this point in your life, you would share things they should be thinking of or doing? Yeah, for me, it, uh, there's really three pieces. The first is learn everything you can, right? Mm -hmm. Learn your craft better than anyone. The more knowledge you have, the better prepared you're going to be. Mm -hmm. The second is don't be afraid to ask for help and don't be afraid to say, hey, I don't know this. Right. Being honest with yourself and others 
is the best thing you could ever do for your career in showing that you can be vulnerable yet still lead. And nobody expects you to know everything, right? And right. That transparency right. builds trust in some ways. Doing it with you builds trust. Right. But people feel that if, you know, hey, I'm striving for this high role, I have to be seen as somebody who does know everything. And, and it's truly not the case. The third is you have to build relationships. If you don't have those relationships, it makes it difficult to get anything accomplished. Mm. So, you know, it takes a village literally, to combat all these bad guys. And the faster somebody realizes that, the, the more successful they are. Uh, well, we're approaching the end of our interview here, and uh, I have uh, a final question for you. We are, obviously, the theme is is security all in. At some point, uh, we have talked about doing uh, like a, you know, CISOs of poker. And even though you're not a CISO anymore, we, we've talked about doing a, uh, a poker game among CISOs and recording it for people. Would, would you be up for being part of that? Does that sound like fun to you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I still have responsibility for security, so I can still slide into the game. Excellent. And, and by the way, I, I can bluff like you can't believe. So I'm, I'm terrible I'll at it, by money. the way. I just want to say I'm absolutely. Take your money. You should. You should come and take all of my money. But no, I, I think it would be really fun. And you said you'd fly for any party. So we'll make it fun. We'll make it a party. And I really appreciate you joining the show, Bill. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you and hopefully letting you take my money when we play poker. Perfect. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. Take care. 